Hello and welcome to Never Press News, the podcast which will give you an insight into the lives and minds of the most motivated and inspirational people I have the pleasure of knowing. I'm Tony Musgrave and this is Never Press News. Hello, welcome to Never Press News Season 3, Episode 7. Today is International Women's Day and I've got a great guest on. Um, we've been trying to hook this up for a couple of months now and we've managed to. The time zones are different because you are in Brisbane. I'm sat here just outside London. Welcome to the podcast, Aviva Kipax. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Well, it's International Women's Day. That was pure luck, <laughs> not um, by judgment. Um, but welcome. Uh, it's great to have you on the show. Uh, firstly, I want to say thank you very much for uh, staying up a little bit later to record this podcast with the time differences. We're 10 a.m. in the UK and we're gone 8 p.m. in Australia, in Brisbane. So thank you very much. I really appreciate you making the effort. Absolutely. No problems. Well, International Women's Day, I've said it three times, but what does it mean to you? Well, look, uh, to be honest, uh, 12 months ago, um, it didn't mean a whole lot, um, and I'm being very honest. It's obviously a beautiful thing to celebrate, and, you know, I've got a lot of um, beautiful friends and um, a lot of my networking is sort of celebrates it, but I never really understood the, I don't know, the, the real oomph behind it. It was kind of just something that you would obviously respect and um, mention and, and praise people who are, putting themselves out there and, and managing the household and the babies and, and everything and then businesses and everything. But I think having been um, through quite an experience in the last year, year and a half, um, it means a whole lot different to me now. Um, and my understanding for me now is towards um, what uh, we all go through things, all of us. I'm, I'm definitely not skewed towards women by no means, but just because of what I've been through and what I've been and, and the, my audience, witnessing what women go through and still come out uh, surviving um, and men, but also just around that sort of perinatal space and just uh, in those years of... I don't know, building a family blows my socks off. And I had no idea I was in, in denial land until it happened to me. So I guess International Women's Day stands for something a whole lot more significant now and I've got a lot more respect for it. Yeah, sure. There's a couple of times there where you've said, and men, and men, please don't spend the whole podcast relating <laughs> stuff back to men. We get our own time. Don't I worry know. about that. We, we get our own I, time. I'm, I'm, a, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm very equal in the and... way I approach it. So it's just, it's more about, I just, uh, I do completely recognise that we all do struggle. Um, and at, at no point do, do I think that women struggle more um, than men in, in that sense, it's more purely from a personal experience. For sure. Um, and this, this, this podcast has done a number of uh, men's mental health topics and we have delved quite deep in, into that space. So Good. it's only fair that today um, we focus on uh, women's mental health, perinatal mental health, antenatal depression, 
etc and and i'm really looking forward to getting into some of these topics with you me too i've been following you for a little while aviva on uh, on instagram most of my friends throughout lockdown i regard as friends through social media unfortunately mm-hmm. because we can't meet people um and i've followed you for a little while we've been in contact for a few months trying to talk understand what each of us are trying to achieve and really if anybody's listening check out speak on society on instagram it's a great page and for any of the people that are listening to this um ladies in particular want to hear about the uh, women's mental health but in particular some of that um uh, around around pregnancy the pregnancy time um, and i'll try to be more specific uh, later on then please follow this lady she's doing absolutely amazing work um most work that we see done generally comes from a personal experience and I'd like you to tell us about your personal experiences and why you set up Speak on Society and why it's so important to you. Absolutely. So um, it's obviously an enormous story, but I'll just start where, you know, it it seems it would fit. Um, I, um, a little tiny little bit of background, Um, I'm a mother of three children. So I have um, a now 10-month-old, a four-year-old and a five-year-old. And basically, in summary, as far as I was aware, which was all changed later, I had never experienced mental health issues or an illness or anything. I would go as far as saying that I don't really think I really associated myself with any form of anxiety or depression, certainly never really had anything that I was ever being treated for or or seen any doctors for. And I was just in this little bubble of just oblivion. And um, along with that, and I'm really honest about this because this is where my understanding comes in, my ignorance towards it was just next level. I honestly believed that uh, happiness and, um, you know, strength came with, uh, you know, it was all just a choice and that there was no influences. You, it was mind over matter and it was just this, I just had this, I don't know, military style, just no emotion. I just, it was almost like I needed to learn this lesson because I was very much ignorant towards it. And that came from just not understanding, not going through it. And I don't believe people understand anything unless they go through something. Um, So with that said, long story short, had my two first two kids 17 months apart. It was absolute madness. Um, I had two babies in nappies. I had no family around. I was drowning in motherhood, but I never got postnatal depression. I never experienced any mental health things it wasn't on my radar I wasn't really being screened for it it was just crazy times so and I think if you've been through mental illness you know the difference between a hard time and then your world falling apart on the flip side which is how mental illnesses really makes you feel um so along comes my third bubby who was um very much wanted um after a few toing and froing and saying no more kids after two somehow we ended up <laughs> I don't know how it happened but it, well I do know how it happened but it happened and um yeah. I was you know and ironically my other two pregnancies I was quite overweight I didn't really look after my health 
Um, you know, I was in the corporate world. It was just lots of just binge drinking and partying and having fun and just not looking after my health. Whereas my third pregnancy, I was fit as a fiddle. I was like running marathons. Um, I was, you know, just basically drinking green smoothies for breakfast. I was just the healthiest, uh, fittest version of myself that I'd ever been. Um, and I was training every day. Everything was perfect. My physical health was perfect. Uh, I've never felt so amazing. And my mental health had never been more uh, just spot on. I was on top of the world. I had confidence as a mother. I was just, everything was going for me. I was, uh, at the time, um, had a, a business that I was running, two small children, just my idea, I, without sounding too cocky here, I felt like I really knew how to do life. <laughs> and then at 21 weeks pregnant, I very suddenly and very aggressively, um, and it, it was literally that instant, I felt very, very sick. And, you know, there were some early warning signs, which obviously I've, I've analysed enough to know that they were there, but they know more than something that you would just think about randomly. Um, and you certainly wouldn't think that you were heading towards a breakdown if you were if you you thought about these early warning signs. Um, and yeah, it basically just hit me. So if anyone isn't aware, antenatal um, depression or anxiety, um, they kind of sit under the same umbrella, um, is basically just another way of saying um, that you have fallen. It's basically postnatal depression, but in the pregnancy. So it's it's starting early. Uh, it's got a lot to do with, obviously, hormones, imbalances, um, you know, what's going on for you. Um, and it's basically whoever's lucky enough to get antenatal depression um, gets it before, I guess, classically women talk about postnatal depression, not enough, but more than antenatal depression. So it's a pretty scary thing to go through, especially when you're carrying a child um, and your whole world just comes crashing down. So um, I, that's basically what happened. Um, I fell very sick very suddenly um, at Christmas time, um, just uh, 2019. So just as we were entering COVID um, and I, I went downhill from there and it's basically just been a fighting every day since then. Uh, I think it was the 23rd of December, 2019. I remember the day, I remember the hour, I remember how I felt and uh, I've, it's been the most horrific experience, which then turned into postnatal depression. But um, however, the most empowering and amazing experience having come out the other side, obviously. Um, I'm, I think it will always be a part of my life, but it's um, definitely, I think, you know, that classic, very corny saying of just you, you do not know how to come out and just be your everything you're meant to be unless you're completely shattered and I think that's what happened so it is a very weird blessing in disguise so that's a very brief overview of what happened between now and us talking today 
Um, yeah, I mean, there's a few things in there that I want to I want to ask some questions about. Sure. Firstly, I want to say, um, well done, <laughs> because whatever support and whatever it was that you did, you now have come out the other side. And we said just when we was chatting um, off air, generally when we get into these spaces, it's built on personal experience and you know a phrase that's come up a number of times throughout the podcast that the final stages of healing are helping other people mm-hmm. um and that generally follows that pattern from the people that i've met along the way where people get through these situations and then they use their experiences to support other people and that's where i want to go i want to go to two places please first one i want to go to is what you talked about is the ignorance I want to try and touch on that a little bit. And then secondly, um, I want to talk about them early warning signs because as with any of the mental health topics we've discussed, the signs were generally there. We either didn't recognize them or we paid no attention because we didn't really have the tools in which to deal with them. And I want to try and dig into a little bit about that, if that's all right. Yeah, go for it. Well, let's go straight to the ignorance bit then. (laughs) Generally, what I hear as well is that, you know, I haven't got it. I've never had it. So what's the problem? And then when you experience it, you realize it's not quite as simple as that. Yeah. Where, where did that belief come from, from you, other than just not having had it? What, why was you this whole, it's all about mindset, it's all about uh, you, your choices that you make type of person? Um, well, I think the foundations of that is that like I said, I'd never been through mental illness. So when you watch, um, well, not watch, but it, I'd have obviously many friends that had been depressed or anxious, like, you know, majority of, of society. But, um, you know, you watch them go through these things and you um, you obviously can't do much. And I just always thought that my, this is horrible, but I'm just such an open book. I just honestly thought it was just a weakness that I somehow didn't possess and that I I didn't look down on them I didn't pity them it was just like you know what they need me I'll be there for them but like if this was ever really faced if I ever faced this sort of stuff like I just sort of chin up and I think that was my attitude which again I can honestly stand by the fact that I like 100% thought it was just a, a character thing um, and I thought that going through things you had a choice where you just thought you know what I'm going to uh I'm not going to sit in this mess I'm going to get myself out whereas mental illness is is not like that it is uh it's a ball a little ball that starts off just collecting dust and, and collecting dust and then it creates this like this film of another material and another material and, and then all the things that come from there and it's and then all of a sudden it's this monster and it is so damaging to your men, like your everything, your physical, your thoughts. It's so hard to dig your way out of it, especially when it's, it's brought on by hormonal changes. Um, it's, you know, you, you, you essentially have to completely start again and, um, you know, again, if you if you haven't been through it, try and this is just my experience. I wish I could go back to my myself not even that long ago, literally just like 2019 and just say that 
you have absolutely, and, th- and this is my view on everything now, like there's, I don't pay, pass any judgment on anything unless I've been through it. So when I, you know, there's people saying, oh, why wouldn't they just do this? Or why is this country not doing this? Or why is my neighbour not doing this? I just immediately think you have no idea what is going on for them to be doing that. Everyone is coming from a place of experience and, you know, there is no, it's, you do not know unless you're in it. So just you're welcome to have your thoughts, but don't pass your judgment like I once did and just thought it's something you can just push your way out of. Like it's just not like that at all, having been in both situations. I really like that fact there that, because one of my questions, which you've just answered for me, so thank you, was what would you say to your former self? <laughs> because I think there's always a, a good question to get you thinking about how you would approach that person that was completely different. And the, I think the fact that you recognise how different your view was then prior to experiencing it, where it is now is amazing so i think it takes a very courageous person to admit that they may have got something wrong previously so well done for that that's it the reflection on that is really important and if there's other people listening who are thinking about i i I know the phrases that you're coming out with snap out of it pick your chin up you know come on get on with it like you can just switch it on and off. And unless you've walked that path, it's it's very difficult to to really understand it. So I think good on you is what I'm saying. Thank you. Recognising it. In in saying that, I I also see I I can, like I'm ashamed of how I felt, but I also have, again, another theory. I have a lot of theories from this experience, but until you know something, um, how would you know? So I also have sympathy towards people that are ignorant, if that makes sense, because you wouldn't know um, and there is no way that, that you would even comprehend. So it, it is understandable that people don't get mental health and I think that's why it's important to raise awareness but also keep that overarching view of you don't understand, that just try and understand that you do not understand something unless you've been through it. So just hold your judgment and maybe just follow the professionals around that sort of stuff that you don't understand if you need to help a friend or a, or a family member. Um, but, you know, in all fairness to people that haven't been through things, you just don't know until you know. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, I, you know, it's a, common, it's a common theme, isn't it, that you're blind to your own blindness. I mean, that's yeah. the... That's the issue with it. So, but once you go through that situation, I think this is why it's different for you, which is why I see you doing some amazing work, um, particularly the stuff I see on social media, because having experienced that, it's now time to go out there and share that message. I I want to touch on them early warning signs. um, And I'll explain with some context why. When, When I spoke to a number of people at, I'll take um, Dan Rowe, for example, who we're both aware of. Dan was on the podcast previously in season two. Uh, Dan's a great guy, works in the men's mental health space, particularly in uh, postnatal depression for men. Um, Really, really great guy. And One of the things he said during the early warning signs that he kind of didn't recognise was about risk-taking. So he was in a position where um, he would take 
extensive risks because he actually had didn't really have a great value for his life. So, and a, an example I'll give is he would walk across the road and then slow down. Mm. Um, and the reason he'd slow down is because two outcomes would come out of that: either a car would hit him and it would hopefully end all of the problems he was having, or he would get to explode at the driver and have some kind of release um, outlet mm. which would lead the release. Yeah. yeah. And these were the kind of early warning signs that were happening. And then, you know, three failed suicide attempts later, he realizes it's time to get some help. So I want to try and understand what the early warning signs for you that you will only see now looking back. But for some people, hopefully we can highlight those early warning signs so they can begin that um, that preparation work for potentially coming into that situation. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, like I mentioned, it was um, quite, well, not subtle really, but for me it was quite subtle um, and it was, again, over just overanalyzing everything. Um, and I have, I will go into how this evolved later, but I have not one day has gone by that I haven't attacked. <laughs> I'm very proactive, so just what happened to me, where it was, what could I have changed, what did that mean? So it's really been um, I've learnt a lot from um, analysing everything and a lot of things have come from that which have changed my life as well, which I'll go into. But the early warning signs, which is a very um, subtle but almost every single um, woman I know who goes through um, mental illness in the perinatal time um, or antenatal or postnatal is rage. Um, and rage is just obviously probably not the best word because I, like, I don't know, like you think about rage, you think someone like completely, it just depends on the severity of it. Um, I was out with my two little kids and we were riding um, uh I took them bike riding down by the beach and uh, where I normally take them, it's obviously quite breezy. And as we were turning the corners and at the time I had a three-year-old and a four-year-old and I was pregnant, very, very fit. Like I could probably run faster than them, but at the same time, like middle, I don't know how, if you guys know how hot it gets in Queensland, it's absolutely disgusting, the humidity here. And it's just, <laughs> oh. And the kids ran ahead and I, um, sorry, cycled ahead and I went to scream out and I just remember just saying, you know, screaming out to my daughter Harper and I was like, Harper. And then she couldn't hear me because the wind was coming up against her face and her ears and forget my son, he never listens to me. <laughs> but I called out to my daughter again and I was, you know, I just remember just getting a little bit louder and um, I was like, Harper, and I, and then something happened where I couldn't handle the fact I wasn't, I'm not an overly protective parent. Like, obviously I need to see where my kids are, but I'm not, you know, I'm very free with them. And, um, I'm sure there was an element of being scared, but I was just infuriated that I couldn't control the situation and that they couldn't hear me. And I all of a sudden just screamed out my daughter's name like someone was being killed. It was just the most irrational sound that I've ever heard come out of my mouth. And it was just, 
you know, it came out of nowhere. It was like just zero to 100 in a millisecond. And I remember this old couple walking past me just saying, she can't hear you because of the wind. And I just, I don't, I'm not sure what I thought, but I just, I I don't know where it came from, but it was really weird. It was a bit of an out-of-body experience and then she came back and, you know, by the time I saw her, I wasn't even that angry. It was just this explosion of anger. And rage is a very, very, very common sign um, postnatally but also in pregnancy um, or also for most a lot of mental illness, but um, it's very common in that perinatal space. So I had no idea. Um, I mean... I have two little kids at, you know, mums scream all the time and, like, I'm not ashamed to say I do too all the time. So it wasn't weird. But that paired with a few other things that were happening, um, the only other uh, sign that I had um, was little bouts of and feeling anxious um, for very odd reasons. And, again, I hadn't experienced anxiety very often Um other than I know what anxiety felt like, but there were things that brought on anxiety for me that would only come about then, you know, flying and a few other things. And I was sitting down watching a documentary with my husband and all of a sudden everything I was watching was uh, hitting me emotionally as opposed to just watching a show. So you know, I'm big into my horrors, you know, I love reality. I love like, you know, real crime stories, all that sort of stuff. But all of a sudden I was just, this, this show was like, it, instead of just watching it and being an observer, it was just became me. And I was just like, oh my God, like this is really intense. And it was just, I guess, the start of what um, the, the word intrusive thoughts um, which are really a really scary thing that happens but like in this in this sort of time, intrusive thoughts, um, all these what ifs or what what if I did this? What did I have I ever done this to someone? And and it was quite obsessive. Um and they were my very, very, very early warning signs. Again, very subtle, could have happened to anyone, especially someone that's dealt with anxiety before. They might have just felt off that day, but it really very bizarre. Well, for someone who, you know, probably weeks only months before that didn't believe maybe it even existed, um, to now be seeing these may not have the, the necessary tools in which to deal with them or even the ability to recognise them. I, I completely recognise the, the rage one that you're talking about. Pe- people have mentioned that, that previously and and those anxious thoughts, but I want to dig into that intrusive mm-hmm. thoughts because that's really um, it's really important when we're talking about anxiety because we when we're talking when when we're anxious, I think there's time spent trying to uh, figure out the the uh, or put some outcomes, total irrational outcomes to what are generally normal everyday situations and when we put those outcomes on it we almost have to live through that fear of that outcome coming and generally that isn't isn't the outcome you know i having had anxiety previously and had bouts of anxiety i can completely comprehend with your tv show analogy yeah 
uh, what you're talking yeah. about there. I really can. Um, I've watched a, a, a number of things and I'll say to Carly, I, I'm going to have to stop with watching mm. this or there's certain things that I I don't... Knowing that as a warning sign, I, I will recognise when that's coming now and I'll be like, oh, this is not really a programme for me. It co- it's causing too much internal yeah. thoughts, um, which is why I stick with Love Island and... <laughs> Big Brother and all, all the usual reality TV yeah. garbage that, that most people wouldn't even give their give the time of day to. I can really get into stuff yeah. like that, um, but I I genuinely have to um, avoid certain things because then I begin to look at it as what if that was me? What if that was my outcome? What if that happened yeah. to me? How would I cope with that? And I don't really need those thoughts. In all no, honesty. it's not worth it. The There's not, not enough space in them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's not worth that hour yeah. investment. Um, but yes, tell me about what intrusive thoughts was to you because I've never labelled it like that before. Um, I really even spoke about it more than just with my wife. Mm. So when this goes out, people will hear something new yep. maybe. But yeah, tell me what intrusive thoughts were um, for you. Well, intrusive thoughts is, is very, uh, very, I'm very passionate about the topic because it's um, something that went the whole way through my sickness and got so, so bad postnatally that I was incredibly, incredibly unwell. Um, And then essentially I was actually um, treated and medicated for having intrusive thoughts. So it's a big one for me. So I have done so much work around this and so much research, which for me research equals knowledge and healing. Um, But I guess intrusive thoughts in perinatal mental illness um i can't speak it for any other one because i haven't really experienced it but also postnatal is so common and honestly i'm no professional to be able to make this statement but i just think personally from my experience i think it's the one thing that completely can be the um can turn something quite minor into something major depending on how you deal with it and your education around it because it's really, really upsetting and um, especially if you do suffer from a little bit of obsessive thoughts or ruminations, which I didn't really think that I did at the time but now I know that I definitely have OCD traits um, which was obviously getting fed by the hormones which was coming into the intrusive thoughts and all of a sudden I'm able to watch these crime shows. Like I could watch anything. <laughs> and like I never understood these people. They're like, oh, you know, when I was young I could watch this. And then I was like, well, what happened? Like why couldn't someone just change your, like why could you just not watch a show one day? Now again, I get it. Uh, something happens to you in life and you there's a sensitivity that's heightened and you cannot watch certain things unless you want to get flooded with thoughts and everything like that. But Um, on intrusive thoughts, my understanding around it and obviously the way I deal with it now, um, I don't really deal, I don't actually, uh, suffer with it too much now because of my deep, deep understanding around it. Um, but this is why a lot of the reason why speaking society exists is to try and talk about intrusive thoughts as much as possible. And when women are very, very honest about what they are, because, the more honest we are about what they are, um, the more normal it will be. And if you actually look into what intrusive thoughts are, 
they are a thought that comes to you that is in excruciatingly upsetting and because you're having that thought you think that you own that thought so you know you anything like we all have intrusive thoughts i think the statistics of i think 90 percent of people on the planet experience intrusive thoughts but they usually just pass but when you're like mentally unwell they stick and you put meaning behind them and that's when they get stuck in your i guess you know, your neurological pathways and that's how things get really, really, really messy for people. And the fact is the reason most people, and this doesn't apply to all intrusive thoughts, but the most, the reason people are experiencing intrusive thoughts is because they're repulsed by them. Like it's, it's the opposite of what they would do. So when women, you know, and a little bit of a trigger warning for this, when women, um, a big symptom for postnatal depression um, and mental illness perinatally is um, harm to their baby, harm to themselves um, or, or someone else in their family or, or something like that. And the big one is around hurting their baby. And when you're a new mum or just a mum in general or, or just anyone and you're having these thoughts and you, your lack of sleep and hormones and everything like that, you just think you've lost your mind and you are now a threat to society and you need to be locked away. And you battle with these thoughts and, you know, if you when you do actually go to therapy and work through these things, which is why therapy is so, so, so important, it's not about sitting down and talking about how you feel. It's about analysing thoughts and breaking them down. The reason intrusive thoughts come to you is because you are at a heightened state of anxiety and it's like this just like this pathway that's open and vulnerable and you are quite literally afraid of hurting your child. So you're actually protective over your child to be having those thoughts, which is why it upsets you so much, which is why you spiral out of control. Um, and if you can imagine like these poor new mums that haven't experienced anything, if, you know, really, really horrible, you know, these women would envision themselves walking in front of a car with a baby in their hand or throwing them down the stairs. I experienced that. Um, my God, the most horrific thing. I, I couldn't wish it on my worst enemy. Every time I walked past some stairs, um, I was, my brain just went immediately like uh, to the point I couldn't go near any stairs. I couldn't do all these things. And that's what causes all the residual things that come from it. And I could talk about this forever. I'm very passionate on intrusive thoughts, but the more we talk about it and the more we understand why we're having them and how to actually um, understand this one thing that you are not your thoughts, your thoughts are just things that happen just like everything else. And sometimes they come to you because it's actually against your morals, which goes to show you're a good person. You know what I mean? People feel horrible, but it's actually, it's your worst. You would never do it. That's why you're thinking it. So that's a big thing to understand. Wow. This I've, I kind of speechless a little bit because that must be horrific to yeah. go through, particularly on the subject we're on, on a newborn baby. I've got, I'm also like you, 
had to, decided never to have three, then had three, then wanted three. Now I want, don't know if I want four. <laughs> you know, but it's the, I suppose it's the, I, I kind of think it's the one thing that I'm not that bad at <laughs> parenting. I really enjoy it. Like, I love every minute of it. Like, I, I dedicate, I try to dedicate everything I do to, to the three children. My eldest boy is 20 years old, nearly is at university. The two kids, 11 and six, have just gone back. And I genuinely couldn't think, I don't know how I would cope mm. with that feeling. Absolutely. That's the, the way you're talking about it was scaring me right, right in mm -hmm. that conversation. Because I'm thinking if that ever happens to me, oh, I, d I don't know how I would deal with it. And not until you said those final words, which were, it's the opposite and means you're a good person. I think I kind of come back out of whatever I was thinking at that time then. It's, that must be really tough, particularly as mm. a new mom. You're under a lot of scrutiny as a new parent anyway. Everybody knows how to do it better than you and you're trying to deal with it in your own way. That must be a real tough scenario. And to know that there's lots of people that are going through that out there. What what are the tools that we can give these people? And I say we, it's not me by any stretch. What are the tools that you can give people to deal with these intrusive thoughts before they become, I think you mentioned before they spiral out of control and you think you need mm. walking away for the safety of your own your own children. How, how do you do that? What are the tools? Well, definitely professional help. So, I mean, I say this, I obviously talk with a lot of women every day. Um, and, you know, I, again, I'm, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a psychologist. I'm just someone that's been through postnatal depression and been through both, you know, the pregnancy side of it and then postnatal. And um, this isn't just a script. I genuinely believe that you need to go um, and um, talk to someone about it. And I know that just sounds like what everyone says about mental illness, but if you have a doctor that you trust and you know is, you know, not ancient with this stuff that can understand because, again, it's like and this is not against anyone of any age of any profession because I think it varies, but, like, you just need someone who's up to date with things because, Again, if we're trying to squash the stigma around mental illness and talk about it more and you go to someone that's got those old school beliefs that you can't talk about this stuff, they might not, you might not get the best response. And I read a quote, uh, I wish I could remember it exactly, but it's um, a doctor had written that um, listen to a mother, like uh, to all health professionals, listen to a mother when she says that she's not coping because if you don't act on it, she might not, she, she'll never come back. And it's true. Like if you, like if you, it's the hardest thing to do to ask for help. It really is the hardest thing to do. Even just talk to your partner about it. Um, but if you do go to those lengths to talk about it um, and you're shut down, it's very dangerous because you, at that point there needs to be this influx of this is perfectly normal. I will obviously assess you. We'll get the right referrals out. We're going to help you. This is probably a mixture of A, B, C, D, hormonal balances, this, this and this. But just know you're going to be okay and what you're feeling is actually not what you want to do or have 
any intention to do. So it's just part of the sickness and it's really, it's really, really wicked that our mind can do this to us while we're trying to keep our babies alive and us alive. But it is just, unfortunately, a heightened anxiety that reverses our thoughts, I guess. I mean, this doesn't apply. I'm not an expert on intrusive thoughts, but this is just what I understand of the perinatal space, which is why women so frequently obsess over their babies falling out of their hands and downstairs or just, you know, them hurting them. And it's, it's, there's, there's a common theme there and it's because they are petrified of anything happening to their baby. Um, so my advice is if you are experiencing anything like that, hopefully, I mean, we've, <laughs> I'm one person, but I hope that, uh, however I plan on doing it, there is a big shift on talking about stuff like this, um, and just making it an okay conversation, have with your partner or your best friend or your mum or your dad, they don't need to understand it, but they need to know that, okay, I've heard this, it's time to go to our doctor and just the doctor know enough to then send you to the right help and to get you the right therapy, potentially medication to stabilise things. Medication isn't always the answer. I'm not, I've done both holistic and medication, but sometimes medication is a really good thing to do to get your brain levelled enough to be able to take in the therapy that you're going to get around these things. Um, but 100%, just you need to go to a doctor and Another thing is you really need someone to advocate for you because when you're not well, you're not making the right decisions and you need someone. So please, if you do go and see someone, if you're brave enough, and it's amazing if you do, I promise you, and we, it's so bloody hard to do, please take someone with you because you need someone, you need an extra brain because your brain is not functioning very well and it, you need some a, a booster <laughs> well that was really where i wanted to go next actually which is kind of a nice segue into the the the, the support from your partner uh from your partner or people and the, the support from their partners because you know prior to having this discussion with you there's a number of things i wasn't aware of um and we've gone through pregnancy three times in this household, three babies. And, you know, I probably wouldn't have recognized those signs in my partner. So how do we educate the partners to be more aware? And, more, and, and how do we get them to support the situation? Because I'm kind of feeling now, if I look back, there have been times where my wife was probably shouting out for some help from me and not literally as in can you help me get up and change the nappies because but as in you know shouting for some help and I, I yeah. probably didn't see it and you know you wouldn't um you wouldn't see it and I think that that's why there needs to be that education that sits over things so that people don't need to because we don't need people to go through mental health for then us all to be there for each other to go through mental health. We need a an awareness just like we have awareness around when someone's, you know, I mean, I'm probably really hopeless at this, but like what's some things that you have an awareness of because it's been drilled into us 
as a society, someone's having a heart attack. I mean, I'm probably going to pick the wrong side here, but isn't it the left, if you've got like a left, your arms sore on the left side, <laughs> I'm probably getting it completely wrong. This, well, this is how well I know it. But there's, you know, there's some things, you, you go and grab your heart. I know this is all physical stuff or an epileptic fit. We know, yeah. you know, when uh, a few years ago, I, like someone just had a fit in front of me on the train on my commute into work and like I knew he was fitting. I obviously could have been anything, but I figured it was epilepsy and I think instinctually I was, I, I couldn't get in there, but in my head I was like, oh, we just have to make sure he's not choking. Like where did I get that information from? Because I'm not a doctor. It had yeah. to have been some sort of awareness that's stuck in my subconscious and I think that's the only thing that needs to happen around this space. The biggest issue is that people don't want to talk about mental health. Um, so whereas heart attacks, physical things, it's all very like, oh, yeah, I broke my leg or, you know, I've got a thyroid issue or, you know, I'm you know, my liver or something like that. Everyone's comfortable talking about that. No one, not many people are comfortable talking about mental illness. And then the people that do talk about mental illness are seen as attention-seeking and just look at me and, again, guilty, guilty. I used to think that and I didn't mean it maliciously but I just thought, oh, look, just, you know, you've been through something like we get it and here I am just standing out in front of the world going, listen to me, like seriously, like this is, we need to talk about this and I'm now that person but um, it's just all sorts of wrong and I just think people need to get over it. We've been through COVID. Our world has changed we need to look at things differently and we need to talk about things differently. And the more we talk, the more we'll see the signs and the more it's going to be a topic of conversation and more women and men and everyone will survive this and just get help quicker because what happens is these women sit in their, like, mess and don't tell a soul. They don't tell their husbands. They don't tell their best friends. They hide it. They cancel plans. They sit in it. They're so ashamed. Like, can you imagine falling, you know, God forbid, or like falling in the kitchen or down the stairs or something and breaking your leg and sitting at home for six months and just going, I can't, I'm just not going to go get my bone put back in my leg. Like, <laughs> it's ridiculous. That's a great it's a great it makes way of it so looking much at it. worse. A great way of looking what, at it. What else is going to happen to your leg? Like your your leg's going to try and heal, but then it can't. And then, you know, you probably, I don't know, there could be an infection and then all this sort of, that, that's how it grows with us because you sit in your thoughts, you're not getting help, you think the intrusive thoughts are real. Some women never make it out alive. A lot of women, you know, the mortality rate is you know it's it's the leading cause of of death in childbirth like hello <laughs> you know it's so it's happening all the time and i said this to a girlfriend at a um a birthday i saw on the weekend and she you know she was thinking about having a second baby having been through postnatal depression she's like i'm getting myself ready and i'm getting myself completely hooked up with the right people i'm like you're doing the right thing and she was like but She's like, honestly, she's like, I have to say, like, where on earth was the education around mental health when I was having my first puppy? Because I knew how to, like, push a baby out because we went to birthing classes. But that stuff ends. Mental illness is a lot more complicated. Why did I not get anything? 
like, why did I not? And I, and I said to her, like, I'm working on it, <laughs> first of all. And second of all, <laughs> you're right. Like, why? Like, our health professionals aren't even talking about it. I mean, my midwife was quite, she's a beautiful woman, but she made, shamed me when I first kind of came forward with it. And that is all sorts of wrong. If we aren't getting it right from the first people that we want to at least confess to, it's got to start from the right people and just work its way down to the partners, you know. So this, yeah, this, this topic comes up and, and I, I genuinely don't know the answer. Um, and I'm going to ask you a very similar question. I've asked this question of a number of the guests previously. How do we break that stigma? I'm not a great fan of the phrase and mm. the stigma um, for a number of reasons. But if that is what the problem is, how, how do we end that? It's a very good question. <laughs> how do we? Because it, we would all be doing it now, surely, if we knew the answer. Um, so, so how do we end this stigma, whether that's for men's mental health, whether that's for... Um, perinatal, postnatal, whatever those mental health issues, how do we stop people thinking how you thought previously, certainly how I will have thought previously, and how a vast majority of people still think, get over it, get on with it, man up, woman up, whatever you want to call it. How do we end that? I mean, I feel like if we did know that as a society, we would have changed it by now. But my, I have a theory on... um, where it all begins and you know i'm um i'm terrible with my kids with like reading books and education i'm i'm all over the shop like i'm not one of those people that sit down and analyze the developmental thing i just never have been i just sort of wing it but i do have enough of an understanding to know that our personalities our um our core a lot of our core um, beliefs and who who we are as person and our experiences happen at a very young age and I think I'm not even going to embarrass myself by saying what this actually means but there's something that happens I think by the age of five where we five or seven where there's a lot of things that are hardwired in that brain and you know um, and then you're leading into you know the primary school and the high school and everything like that I'm not sure about you, but I didn't learn about anything to do with mental illness um, as a child. There's nothing at school, uh, even if there wasn't a curriculum on it. Is anyone talking about it? Uh, maybe a little bit now because I think people have kind of got the idea that, like, if we start talking to our kids about it like we do, um, again, heart attacks, epilepsy, um, you know, you know, peanut allergies, like all the the stuff that they just ram down your throat. Um, My daughter's um, going to a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful school, but like she's just started prep, which is just after kindy. And like, I just so much information on just how this should be and this should be and this should be, this should be. If we could just take 20% of the this should be's and just start explaining mental health to children to the point that they would understand how could that not turn into awareness? Like 
you know, even as like a two-year-old, just breathing exercises, how to regulate your emotions. And then just then knowing that, you know, I know this is just perfect world stuff. I completely understand this, but like it's how, you know, um, I'm having to do a lot of this with my son um, because there's a lot of irregulation around emotions and I'm sucking at it, but I still try. And, you know, when he cries, it's okay to cry and it's okay. Um, we are giving kids, this is my, this is my idea that everything's wrong. We are giving kids the wrong message from the get go. We're not learning at schools. We're not talking about it with our parents. Mum's crying in the corner and mum's just saying, everything's okay. It's okay. It's not okay. So if we expose our children from this, just from a, not from a traumatizing point of view, just like, you know, mummy's having a bad day. It's really hard parenting sometimes or, or, you know, mummy's just sometimes, you know, I, I was saying to my kids when I was sobbing on the ground, I'm like, sometimes women just get really, really sick when they're pregnant and after, and it's not the baby's fault. It's not mummy's fault. But, you know, if my daughter remembers that, that might help, help her later. And that's, that's my theory that you, you are pushed out of crying, especially as men, boys. You're pushed out of crying as a kid. I even did it to my child today. I took her to the shop and I was like, would you stop crying? <laughs> and I'm like, we are just, we are doing it. We have to stop it. We have to change it. And I think why we don't have this as a part of our curriculum for kids, that their brains are forming, their emotional regulations is beyond me. And I think until we do that, Unfortunately, we're just treading water. I think it's a great, a great point that we've got to start at that young age. I think parents are trying to do that. I think certain the schools that my children are in, they're starting to try and do that. Um, is it too late for us? Maybe that's a little bit categorical. I don't know, but it's going to be much more difficult to change my ideas and change my parents' ideas mental health I think by starting at the the roots at the at the at the school in at a young age I think in my head makes perfect sense my 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 daughter has been on a couple of zoom calls this week and she's been invited to some other zoom calls to support some of the children that are going back to school mm. this this is a big event right we've made this a big deal you know that Having been in lockdown for a number of months today, they're all going to be put back into the same place as each other. And some of those children are going to be excited. And that was bubbling over last night in our house in terms of excitement. But when my son came down this morning, it was a, a nervous excitement. I do want to go back, but I also want to stay here with you guys. And, and I think we've been able to talk about that. So hopefully, you know, the schools will spend some time exploring that. But, but I'm, I'm, I'm on this with you. I think if we start at that young age and get people talking about the way they feel and the things that they're doing um, and why it's happening to them, because I think what you've said there and what I've said is we feel like we're on our own, but it's absolutely normal yep. to have some of these thoughts. And absolutely. I've really enjoyed having you today, Aviva. It's been, it's been really um, insightful for, in a subject that I am, very, very, um, yeah, inexperienced in. Thank you very much. I've really enjoyed today's conversation about pregnancy, postnatal depression, perinatal depression, the complexities of it. Mm -hmm. I want to ask you a quick question. During that period that 
you felt um, uh, not so great, what was the worst bit of advice you was ever given? Mm, it's a very good question. Um, I think when I, th yeah, when you are, when you experience mental health and you haven't experienced it before or something new happens, I think that's like sort of how it all works. It, that, that's the most impactful time because you don't know how to deal with what's going on or, the, or what's normal, what's not, what, I've lost my mind, Have I, am I psychotic? Like what, like not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's just like what has happened. Um, you obviously in the early days, I think, you know, anything can sort of give you the wrong information. But I just remember just everyone that I was faced, that I dealt with when I, in those first few weeks of falling sick, um, were useless. <laughs> I just, I feel like <laughs> if I had someone just really get on that other side of what it's like to be in this experience and just say, okay, this is what's going on and this is what's going to happen and this is what's going to happen until this happens and then this happens and just plan it out for me to show a, a line of, I guess, survival. Um, just two things that I can think of that really, really, really threw me off. Um, when I first felt unwell, um, again, it was over Christmas and I called someone in relation to my pregnancy um, to advise that I thought I was losing my mind um, and it was very much like, um, again, this is a personal thing. So maybe if someone a bit more warmer would have, would have approached it very differently, but it was kind of, it felt very judgy. And then I was told to maybe just not fixate on things. So, I mean, that's the worst advice I could be given, especially when you cannot switch your brain off. And I was incredibly sick and I like was losing like seven kilos in a week in my pregnancy. Just, just, just don't think about it. Okay. Thank you for that brilliant advice. Um, no more mental illness in the world. Great. Great. Thank you for that. That's really great. Um, and for someone in that medical field really shouldn't ever talk like that. They just, they just need to just either not say anything or say something that's actually helpful. Um, and then uh, the next, unfortunately, the next bit of advice that um, I ended up in hospital within a few weeks in emergency because I was just uh, was experiencing just panic attack after panic attack um, all day long, couldn't eat, couldn't function. And I ended up in an ambulance in um, emergency unit and this um, psychologist, or I'm not even sure what she was because, again, I didn't understand, and she just sort of, tried she just got out a, p a piece of paper and showed me how anxious thoughts work and I was beyond unwell I, I thought I was going to just die any minute of just pure stress uh, and pregnancy and she was drawing out these little pictures of clouds and thoughts and I honestly thought that I had like checked myself into like a hippie farm like I was Again, not understanding anything to do with mentally. It was it was way too technical and 
So it's you've really got to be careful. I think there should be certain stages of sickness where you need to explain things in a way that they'll understand. Um, and I was, again, just sort of told that once you stop thinking them, that just that's when the neurological pathways will then – you can't tell someone who's sick like that, who's freaking out, to just stop thinking about things. And I just feel like people need to get that, especially psychiatrists. I just oh. – we just solved. I know. We've I'm a millionaire. I'm a billionaire today. Yes. On International Women's <laughs> Day. So if that was the case, uh, everybody, can you just stop thinking about it? You heard it here first, and <laughs> we've got first yeah. rights on that. And yeah, you know, exactly. We've, we've now changed the world. <laughs> so yeah, I just think. <laughs> that, that, I agree. That is awful advice. Um, and if anyone receives that advice, I, I would certainly. Please know that you uh, can get better, get opinion, better so and go somewhere uh, else. A little, again, another reason why you need to go with someone else or advocate to your, for yourself to understand things better. Um, takes a lot of fight, and if you don't have the fight, you really need to bring in an army with you and just fight for the right answers because there are the right answers. It's one hundred percent treatable. It happens all the time. And um, I will go as far as saying this and I could be shot down by, I'm not sure, but I have spoken to that many women that I'm almost positive that this happens to almost every woman, but only 20% of people are talking about it, which is why we have a 20% statistic on it. But it's definitely something that's going on in almost every mother's life that I know about and it's only because I'm so vocal about it that they've come to me to talk about it or sent me messages that anonymously or something like that. So obviously I can't base that on fact. That is just my intuition. But if we could get everyone to admit that they're going through it um, in some way, even just minor, it will change everything. You are absolutely spot on. I think talking about it, raising that awareness, Everybody who's feeling like that, raising it. I want to understand what's next for you. What's what's next for Speak on Society? What's next for Aviva? Where are you going? What, what will we see from you in, in um, the coming months and years? The focus around Speak on Society, I'm, I'm currently running um, the show on my own. And so I, you know, that with, with motherhood and also a, a daytime job, um, which is just rude as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I just don't know why I don't, I need to <laughs> we, both, we both share, <laughs> but, we both share that yeah, opinion. But it's, uh, no, um, it's, um, you know, everything that's going on. I am in the process of, um, collating a bit of a team, um, and people that I've been um, through this experience with, um, some women that I was actually in hospital with um, that have come out as well and completely thrived and they're just the most amazing people and, again, they can't fathom the thought of another person suffering the way that we did. Um, and so I guess where we're going with that is um, I want to just, it's not about me, it's not, a, it's the whole thing is about awareness. So um, bringing a team together to be able to actually raise awareness because I, I can do as much as I can, but it, just having the volumes of people and people's strengths come together, I think is just going to be um, amazing. And then from there, we'll find out what we can do around awareness, where we're going to take it. We really want to put like ourselves out there as much as possible. One thing 
that I've experienced through postnatal depression, there is not one bone in my body that cares what anyone thinks of me. Like when you go through a near-death experience, I promise you, like I don't care what anyone other than my loved ones thinks of me. So like I will just lay it all out. I don't care that, that whatever's judged, it, it's there's something happens to you. I think when you're, it sounds really dramatic, just a near-death experience where you actually think you're going to die and you don't, the little things mean nothing, nothing. And you're just this person that survives something. So someone's opinion is nothing. And I don't mean that in a spite way. Like I legitimately, it's the best superpower I've ever had because I definitely cared to some level what people thought before. Now I don't. And I think with that, whatever I can do for awareness, um, I will do. It's just about finding that, 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 I guess that way of doing it that I can do as one person or, or two or three people just to raise awareness. It's, yes. It's your second chance. <laughs> it is. It's your second chance, right? The first one, the first one almost didn't work out. And when you realise you survived that, there's not a lot mm. people can do to, to derail you following on, the, on from that. And that's why I think what you're doing, Aviva, with Speak on Society and all the work you're doing is unbelievable. I am so pleased that we managed to time this more by luck than judgment on International Women's Day. This is a subject that needs to be raised. The bar needs to be raised. We need to open the floodgates um, about how women are feeling during and post-pregnancy. Um, thank you very much for today. I really appreciate you taking the time. I know it's getting late out in Brisbane. Um, it's thank been, you. It's been it's amazing. Been thank you very much. You. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. That's Never Press News Season 3, Episode